Um, okay, and welcome back to Talking Knicks. I'm Tom Piccolo coming to you with a solo pod. The Knicks are two and one. I'll be talking about the first three games of the season, so let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. Okay, I'm recording this early Tuesday morning, so I'm hoping you all get a chance to listen to this prior to uh, tonight's game against the Philadelphia 76ers. But we here didn't want the, the first weekend of games to go by without checking in first. So, um, yeah, I'll be doing some kind of high-level observations, uh, talking a little bit about each game. I mean, I guess we could start with the first one. Um, that was probably one of the best opening night games I can remember, just as far as the, the high level of drama. It was, uh, it was competitive throughout the Knicks looked good for the most part, uh, aside from a few late game, late regulation blunders. But, uh, you know, the Knicks ended up pulling out the, the double overtime victory against the Boston Celtics at home in the Garden, score 138 to 134. I mean, it was, it was just everything you'd want in, the, in a home opener. Um, and, you know, guys were showing out. Julius Randle ended up with 35 points eight boards, nine assists to, to seven turnovers, to be fair. But he, uh, he definitely showed up and set the tone. Um, you know, just throughout up and down the roster, guys were looking good. R.J. Barrett, he struggled in that first half, but really came through in a, in a crucial third quarter and was really strong there. He ended up finishing with 19 points, uh, five boards, a couple assists. And, uh, I mean, you could really just go up and down. But, you know, like Kemba Walker, it was just such a, a – it's not like his stat lines are going to wow you by any means, but it was just such a breath of fresh air to have a guy come in. He finished the game three or four from behind the arc. It's just not something that we saw last year. He was taking him off the bounce. And then of course, Evan Fournier, who finished with 32 points, the most ever in a Knicks debut. Um, he was, he was unbelievable. Like he, I know I mentioned kind of the, the late regulation blunders, um, I think he lost track of uh, of Tatum or he doubled Jason Tatum, I think, when when Tatum fell. But, you know, he he carried us in the overtimes, his three-point shooting, just his, you know, his fearlessness really, really showed through. So I think Knicks fans are were happy with what they saw from Fournier in that first one. Um, and I think some of the takeaways from that game one are sort of indicative of, uh, you know, through what the Knicks have done through three games as well, right? So at this point, the Knicks are attempting – the major storyline is just the sheer volume of three-pointers that the Knicks are taking night after night. They're attempting 49 threes per game, which is the most in the league. And, uh, it, I mean, we knew coming in that they were going to be uh, interested in taking more threes. Derek Rose made that clear in some preseason comments. I don't know that we expected this. Like, this is just a, an onslaught of, of shots from behind the arc. It is, it's been kind of crazy to watch uh, a Knicks team, a Tom Thibodeau coach team, just be so ready to, to launch from three. Um, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily feel like they're forcing threes. Like, they're, they're often getting some pretty good looks I guess the issue comes with uh, in game three against the rematch at home against Orlando when, uh, 
when or when the Knicks just couldn't buy a bucket, and they ended up going, I think it was, thirteen of forty-eight, which is twenty-seven percent from three. And uh, yeah, I mean that's the the nature of of three pointers. They're high variance shots. Some nights, you know, you hit forty something percent, you win that game. You shoot twenty-seven percent, you don't. Like I know it's very cliche to say it's a make or miss league, but uh, that that does tend to to be the case, especially when you're just taking so many threes, it takes a lot of the other variables out of the equation. So, um, yeah, I mean, three-point shooting has been, by and large, like the, the, the thing that is most shocking, I think, <laughs> when you're watching this team in their early goings. Um, Julius Randle, he has, I think we were talking on the, the kind of predictions podcast, just how many field goal attempts he'd be putting up per game, kind of what his usage would be like. We, we weren't sure. There were a lot more shot creators on this team. I think there's some opportunity to, to kind of spread the wealth there. But Randall has really asserted himself as that guy for this team. Like, he, he wants it to be known. This is his team. He's the alpha. And he is, he is getting his shots up. Like, it is – I'm not going to accuse him of, of ball hoggery three games in. That's not, not what I'm trying to do at all. But – you know, there, there's no question that, you know, at this point he is taking over 22 shot attempts per game. It's fifth in the league. Um, you know, could he excise some of those, those difficult step back twos with hands in his face? For sure. Like last year, this team needed him to create the offense, you know, the vast majority of the time. This year we – certainly still need him to, to create offense. Like he's still the engine. He's all those things, but those, those contested long twos that, that he'll jack up sometimes they are, are less necessary this year. So I'm hoping that we see just a, a two or three fewer per game from him because it's tough. You don't want to alter his aggressive mentality, right? That is what makes him, Julius Randle, so what makes him a great player is he, every time he steps on the floor, he thinks he's the best player. He knows he can beat his man and you don't want to take that away from him. You, you don't want to neuter him, you know, like you want him to be, to feel fully empowered to do these sorts of things, but you also want him to kind of have the, the, you know, the comfort, like knowing that, his teammates have his back that he's still, he'll still be seen as the the top guy, even when he's not taking these, these really tough fadeaway twos. So um, that's kind of something I'll be looking for him uh, going forward. But, you know, by and large, he is the guy he was last year. There hasn't been this regression, like his shooting numbers haven't been great, but it's been such a tiny sample like that. You're not going to be worried about it. He looks the same. Like he looks, he looks strong. He looks aggressive. Uh, when we spread the floor, there's just a lot more space for him to work. And that's where I want to see him really attack the rim more. Um, you know, I think last year was his lowest um, frequency getting to the rim. And I think this year we should be able to see more of that because there are just so many shooters on this team that, that he's just got more space to work with. So, um, yeah, he's, he's still averaging – 11 boards, six assists um, to, to four turnovers. So he has been, has, has been coughing it up a little bit. So you want to see that number go down. 
the contested fadeaway twos go down. But overall, you want to see Randall keep being Randall. And so that has been – it's been encouraging to see him do that so far. Um, now, other storylines, like a, a big one that might be a little under underrated right now, this team is getting to the free throw line a lot. And in years past, I feel like the Knicks have really struggled to get to the line. You know, Randall last year, as I mentioned, wasn't getting to the rim a bunch. He was primarily a jump shooter. Um, it worked for him because he was shooting like Dirk Nowitzki out there. But um, as a result, the, this team did not get to the free throw line very much last year. Um, this year, it's been a different story. They're, they're getting to the line a ton, 23 times per game. It's the fourth most in the league right now. But the problem has been converting on those free throw attempts. They're only making 65%, which is second to last in the league. So, you know, some of that has been, I think Mitchell Robinson has really struggled from the free throw line, but it has been kind of up and down the roster. RJ Barrett has, has struggled at the line. He hasn't gotten there a ton himself, but when he has, I think um, he's been having a hard time. So I don't know, like this, that's not, there's not a whole lot of analysis you can do there. Um, yeah. I'm just looking at RJ Barrett is averaging just over three free throw attempts per game, shooting 60% OB Toppin just under three free throw attempts per game, shooting 37%. So, I mean, these numbers are going to go up. I don't think these are like long-term issues. It's just, you know, that, that has been something to note so far, something we'll want to see kind of remedy itself going forward. Cause Mitchell Robinson, he's hitting 33% of his free throws. Um, so he's three from nine on the season. He's going to be getting the free throw on a decent amount. He is strong. He is big. He is aggressive. Like he has been just a total beast so far this year, I've been super encouraged given that he, you know, hadn't played in a real game in a long time, given that um, his conditioning isn't where we need it to be or where it will be soon. He has been so effective and just, you know, willing to do the things that he needs to do, set the screens, diving to the rim. He's been rewarded a couple of times with lobs. Um, I expect the team to, I, I, I tweeted about this earlier, like Kemba Walker, in his entire career, he has never – Kemba has never had a rim runner, a lob threat on par with Mitchell Robinson, nowhere even close to what Mitchell Robinson is. And I just think that, you know, Kemba missed Mitch on some easy lobs early on, and I think he's just starting to realize kind of what this guy is capable of. Um, so he connected with Mitch for the first time in the in game three against Orlando with a nice alley-oop. So I'm, I'm hoping that that kind of – opens the floodgates and we see a lot more of the, that Kemba to Mitch connection. Um, and that's only been Mitch on offense defensively. He's just, he's been everything you want him to be, everything you need him to be. He like his block numbers aren't crazy. It's, it's 1.7 blocks per game, just under one steal. Those numbers aren't doing him justice because the fact is guys just simply don't want to challenge him when he's near the rim, like shot attempts, they don't even happen. They are completely erased. There is no field goal attempt recorded because of Mitchell Robinson's presence there. Uh, he's, he's just been smart on pick and roll defense. He's been a great help defender. He's been, had really active hands. And I think that as he, you know, rounds into shape, 
he will continue to be even more active, especially down the stretch. Um, there were some plays in that, that loss to Orlando, that, uh, the, the rematch against Orlando, that uh, he seemed kind of gassed. And, you know, Terrence Ross was coming off these screens and Mitch needed to, to just stunt to help, and he was too tired to do it. And um, or he was too tired to even consider it. So I, that's, again, not a long-term problem. He will round into shape. He's a smart defender. And he's been a huge difference maker. The Knicks need this guy. It, it has been scary to see him a couple times already take major falls. And, you know, he had a, something with his hamstring in one of the games. And then he got, uh, in the most recent one against Orlando, he kind of got some, like, sideways impact. Um, from the Magic's rookie Suggs, and it was scary. I, I was I was definitely worried about him, but thankfully, I think that the, the impact was high, and it was just kind of more of a thigh contusion sort of thing. So he just went back to the locker room, got a little bit of, um, I assume, just like ice and, and massage, and was back on the bench and back on the floor shortly thereafter. So, um, you know, the, the healthier Mitch stays, the the better and the, and the higher the ceiling this team will have. Um, I mean, just going up and down. I guess I can talk real quickly about game two against Orlando. Like the, the Knicks went into Orlando and just destroyed them. It was, a, it was just a thrashing through and through. was never really felt within reach for the Magic. Uh, final score, 121 to 96. And it just it seemed like kind of everybody aside from RJ – kind of eight on this, on this day. Randall had 21, Fournier 18, quickly had 16, Rose 12, Kemba 11, Burks 12, top and 13, like a bunch of guys in double figures. And you know, that's what happens in a blowout like this. Everyone gets a chance. Um, RJ struggled. Yeah. He was 0 five from three in this one. And then, you know, it kind of compounded that with the second magic game, Barrett was one of seven from three. So he's kind of starting more slowly than, uh, than you hope for, but we've seen it before from him. Uh, you know, it's kind of the theme of this. And I'm not concerned. I mean, there's not a lot to be concerned about the team's two and one. Yes. They lost to a, you know, objectively worse team than them. And you want to see them beat the teams that they're more talented than, than they're better than, um, you know, that, that didn't happen against uh, the, in the rematch against Orlando. I think they came out just expecting to win to a degree. Like, they, they had more talent. They saw what they did to them two nights prior, or they utterly blew them out. So I think they just kind of expected to be able to go through the motions and still be able to, to win this one on talent. That wasn't, that wasn't the case. Like, Orlando's young. They're hungry. They, uh, they had guys step up at the right time. Cole Anthony was, was a tough he made a lot of tough shots, a lot of off the dribble threes. Uh, what you what you really don't want to see though is Cole Anthony pulling down 16 rebounds, and some of those certainly were uncontested and you know of the you know kind of Russell Westbrook variety. <laughs> but even then, like he's is he even six feet tall? I, I don't think so. He's if he is, he's super slight. So you think that the the Knicks backcourt being you know especially guys like Barrett Fournier would be able to get in there and grab some more rebounds. Um, You know, didn't happen. Then obviously um, off the bench, Terrence Ross just killed us in that game. He had, he finished with 22 points. I think they, they may have all come in the, 
the outcome in the fourth quarter, it, it certainly felt like it. Um, he, he felt he looked unstoppable. Um, you know, there wasn't – defensively, yes, there were some breakdowns. I mentioned, like, the lack of Mitch help on one. But, you know, for the most part, Burks, I think, uh, defended him pretty well. I think so, some folks on Nick's Twitter, uh, Benji Ritholtz, went through and, and looked. Uh, Ariel Pacheco, in his rewatch thread, looked. And, they, you know, I think the conclusions were the same. Burks wasn't the reason Terrence Ross went off. That was just great shot making. It was bad timing for us. Like the, the Knicks shouldn't have been in a position where Terrence Ross going off was the, the deciding factor. So, um, you know, you kind of have to tip your cap. You have to hope that, you know, for future games in the garden, this is the other thing is like in Madison Square Garden where the fans are just, they're so great and they're so just ready to root for a winner. This team has to perform in the garden. You want this team to be like 76ers teams in the past where like they just don't lose at home. Or I think I feel like the Hawks last year in the regular season may have been like that as well. Um, under, under Nate McMillan, like you want teams to really feel the impact of the garden crowd. Like they are just so, you know, it's just a great crowd. It's a great atmosphere. And you want to see this team, the Knicks, come out and be crisp and execute and really just play with energy and purpose when they're at home. That's what I want to see. So um, just going through some of these other storylines. It's Derek Rose has been just unbelievable. He's a team high plus 49 in total plus minus. Like he's his three point shooting is something that I just never saw coming from him. He's a straight up knockdown three pointer at the three point shooter at this point. It's it's incredible. Like he's he has to be the front runner for sixth man of the year. I think in our preseason prediction pod, we all predicted he would be, but he's just. He's been amazing. And I think, I think on the flip side, fans will look at Kemba Walker and, you know, he has a team worst minus 17 plus minus, you know, that's, it's tough, but like Kemba still has to adjust to this team. It's a new role for him. He's not the, he, even if he's the primary ball handler, he's not the primary initiator. He's not the primary creator. That's Julius Randall. So Kemba's just, he's going to have to gel with this squad and it's going to take some time. I'm not worried about it, though. Like, he's, he's shown that he still looks like Kemba Walker. He's still pulling up for threes off the dribble. He's still able to, to beat his man off the dribble, get into the paint. Um, so that's it's, – uh, it's been a little disappointing as far as, like, his, his on-court impact. But it's, um, it's probably going to turn around here pretty soon as he just develops more chemistry with these guys. Um, so, yeah, I think kind of related to that, that point guard conversation, this team is top 10 in assist percentage. That's pretty shocking. Like just the, the, the way the offense looks, the, the ball movement, the player movement, it is kind of carried over from preseason. Yes, there has still been plenty of ISOs. I think Julius Randle is second in the league in ISO possessions at this point. Um, and that's kind of to be expected. That's, that is 
part of Julius Randle's game, no question. It's part of Derrick Rose's game to an extent as well. But for the most part, there's a reason the team's top 10 in assist percentage. They are, they are moving the ball. They're, that's how a lot of these threes happen. A lot of these threes are open. A lot are catch and shoot. They have been, been, they have been pulling off the dribble as well, like I mentioned. But, you know, catch and shoot threes, <laughs> by definition, are assisted. And that's been a huge part of their game, hence why they're top 10 in assist percentage. So you love to see it. I don't know when the last time the Knicks were top 10 in assist percentage, but uh, it's been a long time. So it's good to see these guys sharing the ball. And it's been when the ball has stuck that the, the offense has kind of um, struggled to, to produce. Um, and then the, the last thing I'll, I'll talk here about is Obi Toppin. Uh, Obi Toppin last year was just there were a lot of jokes, I think, around the league. This is a, a guy who was, an, who was old for a rookie. He was 22 last year, 23 this year. Um, and, and the hope was that he would be, the term always used was NBA ready. And he wasn't that. Like, I think the game was too fast for him, which is ironic given just how his strength at this point is his speed. I mean, he, nobody beats him down the court every time he doesn't grab a, a defensive rebound. He is flying down the court looking for open shots in transition on the fast break. Um, he's just averaging 10 points per game at this point. Uh, but it seems like every one of those points is <laughs> it like energizes the crowd when we're at home, it energizes the team. He just, he gets out in transition. He gets these awesome dunks, these layups, these and ones, and it's just fun. That's, that's the big thing with Obi Toppin is he's just flying up and down the court he has not been the liability on defense completely. Like he has had to be the primary rim protector in some of these uh, lineups. I like the OB Randall lineups, but you know, we have to concede that, that those team, those lineups will not be defending the rim all that well. Um, yeah. Toppin's gotten dunked on all that, but I don't know. New Orleans Noel hasn't played yet. He is a 50, 50 chance to play tonight against the 76ers. I wonder if Noel's return will, will impact Obi's minutes because I, I just, it, it's hard. It, it's hard. Thibodeau has a, a difficult task ahead of him trying to figure out these rotations. I definitely don't want fewer minutes for Obi Toppin. He has just been a, a burst of energy that this team needs off the bench. He's been the per, in the perfect role for him right now. Guys are looking for him uh, every time someone grabs a rebound. Their heads are up. They're looking for Obi Toppin. It's, there's kind of nothing more exciting right now with this team than Toppin in the open court. Toppin, you know, with a backdoor cut and just kind of the, the threat of the lob there. Like Mitch, Mitch is probably more of a reliable option there because he's just so big, so strong. It's hard to knock him off his spot. Obi a little less so, but just the, the it's more fun to watch Obi Toppin do it. He's just more graceful in the air. It just it looks so cool when Toppin's doing it. So um yeah. I guess I know I said that was the last thing. It's hard not to just go through all the guys. I mentioned how Fournier was 
was the guy in that first game. And it's good to have someone who's so fearless down the stretch. Emmanuel quickly, he, he hasn't been playing well. Like there's nothing else to really say. He's, he's only getting 13 minutes per game. Um, He's only averaging just six points. He had that 16 point effort in game two and beyond that hasn't been very effective. And I think, you know, his, his three point shot has been mostly missing his um, his floater game, he he still isn't really able to get to the rim. He's still launching these kind of 15-foot floaters. You hope to see that kind of change. I do – I like the floater just in moderation, okay? Um, yeah, quickly, it, it's hard for him to, to get minutes on this team right now. With, with, and they're just guys who are playing better than them through three games. I think quickly he's just such a confident guy. His three-point shot is such a weapon that he'll uh, he'll certainly continue to to make strides. And he's still young. He's 22 years old. He'll, he'll keep getting better, better as a playmaker, better as a ball handler. Those are all areas we looked at looked at last year. So um, look for him to to continue to make strides there. But I think through three games you have to be mostly happy. Yes, we like I said lost to a team that's worse than we are. You would much prefer to be three and zero going into this game against Philadelphia, but overall you, you can't be upset with kind of the, the mindset, the mentality of this team. They're going to get after it on defense um, and they're going to keep shooting a lot of threes. This team is different than the roster we had last year. Um, And so it's going to take a little bit of adjustment as fans, just getting used to, you know, you think like stop settling for threes, get to the rim but you know, these threes do open up those shots at the rim, like I said. So um, just something to watch for going forward as I keep, as I keep saying, because that's really all there is to do three games in the season. It's hard to draw a lot of conclusions. All you can say is what you've seen so far. Um, And that's what we've seen, but guys, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, We will be back with the larger crew next week. And, uh, and we'll be doing predictions and all that stuff, you know, predicting games and our records and, and back to what we always do. But I just wanted to get this out there, check in with you guys and say, uh, guys, I'm so glad that the, that the next season is back. I, I really am. This has been so much fun and uh, looking forward to, to spend the rest of the year with you guys. So with that said, I'm Tom Piccolo and hey, let's go Knicks.